Hey, this is Dave DeBoe. Would you like to access private capital so that you can buy more properties and scale your real estate business? Then check out my brand new podcast. It's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show. Now, the first nine episodes are a mini course on how to raise six figures in a matter of weeks and seven figures in a matter of months, even if you're starting from scratch. So you can find this new show. Again, it's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Or feel free to visit us at RaiseCapital101Show.com. Hey everyone, Dave DeBoe here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from super sunny New Hampshire, <laughs> we've got Sean Winslow. And Sean is an experienced real estate investor who focuses on multifamily properties as well as student rentals. So they've got a significant portfolio worth over 40 million bucks at this time and counting hundreds of doors, hundreds of units, lots of experience doing that stuff and raising capital. And that's going to be our main focus here today. We're going to be talking with Sean about what he calls the three major investor pools to raise capital from. So Sean, welcome to the podcast. Dave, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure. Glad to be here. Awesome. All right. So we know a little bit about what you're up to, but let's dive right into the meat and potatoes of raising capital. There's a lot of folks that are following this. They're interested in that. I know that's been a big focus of yours for quite some time now. So talk to us a little bit. Let's go back in the journey a bit. And why don't you walk us through how you got started with raising capital in the first place? Yeah. So that was, I went to school for finance and started you know, the traditional route of going to college, getting a job, right? And working that nine to five. Yeah. Even though my background, my family were entrepreneurs and still it's just crazy how the world conditions you to think you got to go to college. Well, let me, let me ask you, did your entrepreneurial parents actually encourage you to go to college and want you to get a yeah. career? Yeah. That's the weirdest yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is what it is, right? I'm glad I went because I learned a lot, maybe not from the courses themselves, but just to grow up and learn the way of life, you know, on my own in a big city. Right. I grew up in a small town, went to college in Boston. That was a big change. And I learned and, and grew a lot. And then I dove right into the world of finance, quote unquote, Wall Street, right? Worked for one of the largest asset managers. And when I say asset managers and financial services, I'm talking about like fund companies, mutual funds, ETFs, all that good stuff. Think like the Black Rocks and Fidelities of the world. Worked for at the time I left, they had 1.7 trillion in assets. So I come trillion, yeah, trillion a, with a T. Yeah, with a T. Exactly. <laughs> so I came from a background of raising money because my job was to I was a portfolio consultant raising money for our funds. Okay. That was my background. And if we want to dive into why I made the change, I made the change because Dave, you and I spoke about this before, but it just didn't align with my values. I wanted to help people grow wealth. And to me, the only ones that were getting extremely wealthy were the fund managers and people like on my side of the table, right? And to me, that just wasn't right. And I also just didn't want to sell a product that I personally didn't invest in. So I right. knew I needed to make a change. All um, the fees and commissions and how people are incentivized to move people's money around without yep. really getting them much for return. Yep. Exactly. It. It's another thing where we're conditioned to think that's the way to invest, put money into a 401k and an IRA and then... You know, oh hope and pray that you'll have enough when you're. I, I think right? Canadians are even more brainwashed about that than Americans. So yeah, I really, my friend, I hear you. 
you left that evil lair and decided to get into your <laughs> start doing your own thing. Walk us through that and how you transferred those skills and any hiccups or challenges you had going from working for the big guys to raising capital for yourself. Yeah. So in order to make that transition, I needed a landing pad, right? I needed some income. So I started building a portfolio of small multis with my own money and then partnered with some JV partnerships with friends and mm-hmm. family to to go about it that way, right? And then I realized you run out of that money real, real quick. And coming from an institutional background, I knew I wanted to go bigger, like the big multifamily, because I just knew from a scale standpoint, it made a lot of sense, right? To me, right. a large multifamily property is a business because it's got staff, it's got the scale, and each property is its own business. So I knew I wanted to go that way. But to do that, I knew it required a lot of money, like a lot of money, not just, you know, let's take down a duplex or fourplex kind of money, like taking down 10, 20, $30 million properties requires a lot of capital to do so. Right. So I was like, well, where am I going to get that money? And, and at the time, I wasn't too familiar with syndications. I didn't really know that was a thing until I heard someone mention it. I was actually in one of the night courses I took at Boston University for real estate finance while I was working trying to make that transition, someone had mentioned syndication. So I went to YouTube University, Google University to figure out what is a syndication yeah. and went down that rabbit hole and realized what it was. So that's when I started networking like crazy, reaching out to people that had syndicated because I figured why reinvent the wheel myself? Let's find some people that have done it successfully because that's what I want. That's what yeah. I want to do. Makes sense. So that's what I did. I found someone that I felt I, I aligned with on a personal level, as well as career trajectory where I wanted to go. So did old fashioned, just wrote a letter, hand wrote a letter and sent it to him saying how I admired what he'd done. And if I could ever be of any value to help him, I would love to do so, blah, blah, blah. And he actually reached out and we connected. He respected that I took the time to write a letter find his address because he said that was one of the many things he did along his career. So I connected with him. He was probably pretty impressed that a young gun like yourself even knew how to write a letter. <laughs> for <crying out. laughs> How, you know, how to write out the address, get a stamp and all that. Yeah. yeah. I, had to te- I recently had to teach my 20 year old son how to address a letter because he'd never done it before for cried out loud. So yeah. Wow. It, yeah. So, so it stands out. It definitely stands out. Good. So, yeah. I met him and it's been onward and upward from there. And I guess we can jump into like the three pools of investors that I now pull from because in order to scale, you know, the the holy grail is to have a list of your own investors that you've cultivated. Right. Um, and and by that I mean your network. It doesn't necessarily have to be friends and family at first. That's usually where you start. Mm-hmm. Then you you kind of branch out and create a network. You need to expand it, that network pretty quickly once you want to start syndicating right, and right. raising millions and millions, right? And hopefully those people do become your friends, right? Yeah. Um, that's the goal, to do business and deals with people that you like, right? Sure. And so that's what I started doing. I did it many ways, going to meetups, both in person, now virtually, obviously, mm-hmm. RIAs, multifamily meetups, and then just other meetups in general, You know, young business leader meetups, I have connections through my personal relations. I have a lot of friends that are doctors. Mm. So I went to those type of meetups as well. And then just hanging out with people that wanted to excel in life, right? Just surrounding myself with those type of people. And that's really how I've been 
really successful in networking. And now I have a podcast that obviously helps as well, but that's how I started. But even with that, you realize that that still takes a long time to cultivate that because you're not just going to meet someone one time and they're going to invest with you. It just doesn't work like that. And I would be skeptical even if that happens, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of, you want to develop a relationship with these people so that they know, like, and trust you, but also so that you know, like, and trust them as well. So that takes time. So that's pool number one, right? Your network. And like I mentioned, that's the Holy Grail. You want that to be in a perfect world. That would be your entire investor list because you're going to be aligned with those people and you're going to be have a, a common goal that you want to achieve in real estate. And well, so let me ask just, you a question about that, Sean. So yeah. you expanded your network, you got out there, hustled, you went all, all sorts of meetups, real estate focused meetups, professional meetups, makes a lot of sense. What are some of your tips for actually making those connections? Because a lot of people are or consider themselves to be introverted. They're not sure about how to go about make those connections. You know, we've got so much crap out there about use a 30 second commercial and elevator pitch, you know, all this kind of stuff yeah. every conversation in a real estate conversation, all this kind of stuff. What works best for you making those kind of personal connections and really starting those relationships? Yeah. So what I tend to do is when I'm meeting someone, I know it's tough, especially from an introvert, like you don't want to be salesy. You don't want to overstep and really be like, like, this is what I do. You want to invest in my deal? Like, right. uh, and plus, obviously, from compliance reasons, SEC reasons, you can't necessarily do that depending on the offer. But I digress on that point. But I come from it at the angle of when someone asks me, how am I doing? And instead of just saying, great, how are you? I go, hi, I'm Sean. I'm fantastic. I help others achieve financial freedom. Do you know anyone that is interested in that? Something along those lines. Sometimes I'll throw in multifamily, but I try to be as vague as possible, but still get a hook in there that they're interested enough to learn more. Because mm. if I just go into a spiel that, yeah, I raise money for multifamily investments that provide my investors with consistent cash flow and a strong back-end return. I'm an alternative to the stock market. That's a great pitch, but a, a lot of the time, people are just going to glaze over it cuz i'm using well the it's, it sounds too pitchy now doesn't it, it right, sounds too right. salesy yeah right you want, so you want to hear the best one i've ever heard Sean yeah let's do it yeah the best one i ever heard was a friend of mine and when anybody asked her what do you do she says i collect houses that's awesome that's it that's what she was focused on at the time and it always created that exactly what you're doing there created that cure what what do you mean you collect houses, right? So it starts the right. conversation. So yeah, that's the goal of what you're doing there, right? Is to pique curiosity and get people going, well, what do you mean? Or how does that work? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, And especially if you're an introvert, it's easier when you're an introvert, when others are wanting to ask you questions versus you just trying to word vomit on them and get yeah. your point across. Because as an introvert, that could be very awkward and uncomfortable. But if Flip side, if you're getting people to be really interested in what you're saying and want to learn more, it's much easier for an introvert to do that. Yeah, and for sure. And it's also better as a sales tactic because that person wants to learn more and more about what you do. The best relationships I've made are the ones that it takes a little longer to establish, right? Well, I would, well, I would imagine because I don't know what your minimum investment is. I'm going to assume it's probably in the 50 to 100 grand plus yeah. range at least. Okay. 
I'm sorry to keep harping on this, but I am genuinely curious about this. So again, you're going out there, you're meeting these people, you're making these connections, you're starting the conversation. How do you go from starting that conversation to now having that person as part of your network and moving that relationship along to the point where A, you're comfortable and they're comfortable with having the conversation about investing and B, like you mentioned briefly before, you're not going to get a craft with Securities and Exchange Commission. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's it's always a funny conversation because the first thing they want to know once they realize what you do and what you provide to your clients, they always want to know, oh, how much can I make? What's yeah, my what's return? My, what's my ROI yeah. going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so how I try to get around that is like, you know, it's really on a per deal basis. And I'd love to get into that with you, but let's set a time to get to know each other a little better. You get to know me, like, and trust me, and I can show you some of our past opportunities and we can see if that's a fit for you. Yes. And that's kind of how, again, it's not giving them what they want up front. There's still that hook where they still, okay, okay, but I still want to know more. Mm -hmm. And to really get them incentivized. And for those that aren't, you know, maybe more introverted and don't like social media. I know I'm with you. It, it sucks, but it's one of those evil necessities that we need, we have to use is I build that want on social media. I show them what I'm doing without mm-hmm. saying this is the return. I just, show, I'm out of my, one of my properties or maybe working on a unit or we're doing something and I'm walking through it either with a video or just taking some pictures. And then that just keeps building that momentum and they see what I'm doing and that builds that trust that I know what I'm doing. I'm actually doing this. And then it, it just, it makes them hungry and hunger to want to either be a part of this or learn more. And so nice. that's how I've had success. Excellent. All right. So that's that first pool. We're focusing on growing your network yep. by mixing and mingling with other prospective investors, going to the watering holes where these kind of people hang out and, and making those connections, getting that hook in creating that curiosity without delivering on that curiosity until you actually have a one-on-one meeting probably do those in person or you i mean with the pandemic you're probably doing a bunch of that on zoom as well right so you do a combination of both so at first it was primarily in person because this was before the whole zoom phenomena you and i knew a zoom before because we're doing podcasts we knew zoom but most people didn't so before that it was a lot of in-person some telephone, but I prefer to see the other person's face. So a lot of it was over coffee, maybe over a beer, lunch, breakfast, dinner, what have you. But yeah, now it's transitioned into Zoom. It's both. I do both now. I prefer to obviously be face-to-face. It's just just a better connection, personally, I think. Definitely. All right. So that's that first pool. I've been bogging you down there, buddy. Sorry about that. I just like to do But no, but hey, that, that's the best one though. That's the one we want all of our investors to come from. So All right, good. Well, let's take a look at the second of the third ones and then we can maybe circle back. That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there, this is Dave DeBow, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's bookachatwithdave.com. Yeah, so the second I realized 
like I just mentioned, I want that first one, your own personal investor list and network to be everything, to be everyone. But that's not necessarily feasible in a shorter period of time. Because like I said, it takes time for people to know, like, and trust you and vice versa. So if I wanted to scale at the rate I wanted to scale, I knew I was going to have to get money from other places. So that's what these next two pools are. The first one are individuals that are in the industry that are on the general partner side of syndication. So like myself, but they primarily like to focus on raising capital, investor relations, that side of the business. They're not necessarily, you know, into finding the deal and building relationships with brokers. They just want to build relationship with people that they can help achieve their financial goals. So that next pool is building relationships with those individuals so that they bring their capital, their investor list to your deal. And where I found those are multitude of places. One are, again, at meetups, conferences, big multifamily conferences or syndication conferences, RIAs, multifamily meetups, Zooming, and then podcasts as well. And that's how I've developed those. And it's the same thing. You got to develop a relationship with these people. Make sure you're aligned because everyone has different goals. And if if you're going into a deal together and you don't have the same goal, it could end up not very good. So you got to make sure you're aligned on where you want to go. And So if you don't mind me asking, Sean, how does that work? And I'm not going to hold you to this because you're not a, yeah. a lawyer or anything like that. But how does that work with the Securities and Exchange Commission? bringing on a capital raiser into your deal. You mentioned something about they're also going to be general partners on the deal. Is that correct? Yeah. So they can't be paid solely for raising capital because that Mm -hmm. would be a violation of the SEC because they're not licensed under FINRA to do that. They're not licensed to sell a security. And that's what a syndication is, a private placement. It's a security, except you find an exemption to register it. And that's what the 506B or 506C is. And sorry if I'm getting a little into the weeds for everybody, because you know that can glaze people's eyes over real fast. <laughs> well, um, I won't ask you to read out what the definitions okay. are. Okay. Just okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they have to play an active role, and I feel like a lot of people also get this wrong with JVs versus syndications. A lot of people think a JV is just you have two groups, two people. You know, one finds and operates the deal and the other one brings the money. No, that's actually considered a, a syndication, even though there's only two people because the money person is playing a passive role. So if you're a capital raiser, you can't just play a passive role. You have to play other roles. That could be, you know, due diligence, underwriting, investor relations. I say that's kind of loose because that's, you know, kind of that's similar role as raising capital. So when we bring on someone, they need to be active in due diligence. They need to have underwrote the deal themselves, obviously, because they need to be a prudent investor. And then they need to be active in our weekly to monthly asset management calls. And checking with my syndication attorneys, that that is a go. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that sounds pretty active. It sounds like they're they're doing more than just bringing the money to the table. Okay, cool. Exactly. So that's what would you call that category? Capital raisers? Yeah, use a capital raiser. Okay. Yeah. So we start off. Cool I call it strategic, strategic partners. So we can sometimes, if you want to get away from the, the capital raiser term. Yeah. Okay, good. Strategic partners. So first pool is your network. Second pool is your strategic partners. And what about the third pool? Is institutional money. And that could come from private equity, family office, 
or a big institutional player. And how this works is they're going to write a big check. So they're generally going to have a minimum most of the time of $5 million and they will raise about 80 to 90, usually 80 to 90% of whatever your, your total raise is. And that's great, right? Because that makes it easier for you. You can, I can go get a deal where my raise is $10 million and they'll bring eight to 9 million of that. And then the remaining amount I have to raise. And generally, depending on who the player is, sometimes they'll raise half of that with you as well from their own list. Half of the remaining amount that's required. Yeah. And then sometimes it's all on you. It really depends who that source is. And then it gets tricky with returns too, because generally these institutional players, they want more for their money, right? So there's going to be something called waterfalls. For those that aren't familiar with it, it's just a way on the back end to meet certain performance hurdles. So essentially it's to incentivize the general partners the operators, as you achieve a higher either IRR or average annual return, the general partners will get paid more. So it incentivizes me to outperform and also they end up making more too. So (laughs) they like the waterfall structure. So it does get a little more technical with that. And the big downside for me with that is they have quite a bit of leverage over you and they can dictate the terms because, Mm -hmm. hey, they're writing you a check for 80 to 90% of the raise. And they've been known to pull out at the last minute so that if you don't have a good relationship with them that can be that'll kill uh, the deal right there yeah (laughs) they could be all good to raise the capital up until the day of closing and decide that nah this deal isn't for us or a better opportunity came along so that's the last group i would ever want to use but it is a kind of a necessary it can be a necessary evil if you want to grow fast and the way to find those is again networking. (laughs) I found actually a lot of them on LinkedIn. They reach out. I've rarely ever actually reached out to one. I've met them at conferences as well. There's actually conferences for private equity and family offices that you can go to where you meet them. And generally, it's they're going to interview you as well. They want to see your track record. They want to make sure that, again, you're aligned with what they're looking for and what they want to achieve. But again, they have a lot of leverage. So... It's something that I try to stay away from. Yeah, well, that makes sense. So what would you say the biggest difference is between strategic partners and the institutional money? Are you typically working with a number of strategic partners to do a deal versus one institutional lender? Is that kind of how it usually works? Yeah, yeah, generally. There'll be a, you know a couple of strategic partners to take down a deal Whereas, yeah, institutional is just going to be one because they're not going to want to dilute things. Yeah, yeah they're not going to be with anyone. They don't want anyone else on the deal besides you and them. And they want to make sure that you've got skin in the game, that you've brought some yep. of the, the capital to the table from your network as well. Interesting. Correct. Very, very cool. All right. So we got the three pools, your personal network, your outside capital raisers or strategic partners, and then the big boys, the institutional money which is typically family offices or private equity firms, that sort of thing. And it sounds like it's pretty much the same way to grow each one of those groups is getting out there, mixing, mingling, getting to know people and networking. It's a lot of that. A lot of people say, you know, it's who you know, but I actually think it's who knows you. Mm. And the only way for people to know you is to get out there. 
And a podcast is a way to do it. For those that are maybe more introverted and you're more comfortable just sitting here behind a camera and a, and a microphone and talking, that's a way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't have to go anywhere, right? You don't have to get yeah. on a plane or get in a car. This is a great way of doing it too, because people come across it, they see it, they see that you're active, what you're doing, and then they want to reach out. So this is a great way of doing it as well. Excellent. So Sean, speaking of people who want to reach out and find out more, if people are wanting to find out more about you and what you're up to, what should they do? Yeah, I'm active on LinkedIn, Sean Winslow. Just search my name. You'll find me with Greenbrier Capital Group. I also have a podcast of my own, Multifamily Money. And I am also active on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at Shauna Wins. And yeah, feel free to reach out on either LinkedIn or Instagram. I'm active on both of those and I'll, I'll get back to you. Sounds great. Well, Sean, thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom, some of your experience and these three pools of capital for getting into big deals. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, everybody, take care and we'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there, thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, Investor attractionbook.com. Take care.